Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May. With me is Josh Nickel. As always, welcome back to the show. We've got an excellent show for you today. I think it's going to get heated. We'll see. We're hoping to get the youth crowd in today, Josh, because we're usually garbage at that. So hopefully to get that going. Got a few things to get through first before we get into the show. First of all, we are on YouTube. Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Hit us up there. You can see our beautiful faces. I'm hoping at least somebody is going just for that reason. Probably not, though. So we are there. Hit subscribe. Five stars on the podcast. All that. Thanks for joining us. The second thing is we got to give a shout out, Josh. We got some gear sent to us. Unbelievable. And you are representing. I'm folding up completely. But I'm going to give the full, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll give the full, uh, what, what am I, what are we looking at here, Josh? We're looking from friend of the show, Derek from the Ottawa area. He's got a sweet backyard court. We, a lot of people have played there. Like Alex Anita's played there. Sergey Garoski's played there. Gabriel Prin, like it, it's a who's who. I think it's invite only. So maybe I'm said too much, but, uh, Derek sent us some swag and I got to tell you, I'm feeling about eight feet tall wearing this shirt, Garrett. I just feel so good right now. That's great because I'm feeling like tiny cause I'm swimming in those things. So I maybe need to <laughs> rethink the size, but, uh, that's on me. Absolutely. So sorry, we've been ignoring our guests for the show completely this whole time. So thank you for sitting there not saying anything. Welcome to the show, Zane Grossinger. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Zane. So coming with to the show with a topic is always next level. It immediately just sets you above the riffraff that we usually get on this show. That's right. So Zane, I know you had something you wanted to get into it about, and I'm ready to go. So what are we talking about here? Okay, well, first off, thanks for having me, and thanks for the late introduction. I won't uh, hold it against you too much. Um, it okay, is he knows is. how the show works immediately. We're getting spicy like right I mean, off the, the bat. The nice yeah, thanks yeah. with a subtle chirp. Okay, watch yourself. I'm getting, getting familiar. Uh, but yeah, no, I think like one of the most common things guys do on the bus when you're traveling to away games is kind of trying to figure out like who would an all-star cast be for the OUA, Can West, East West, and like how would that all-star game kind of just go? So I think that's been on my mind, and I was <laughs> like hoping we can just discuss that a little bit. Okay, let's frame it though first, Josh, because I know you got thoughts, but let's frame it first. So you're talking OUA, that's the Ontario University Athletics Volleyball League versus Can West volleyball league all-star teams one team one match best of five who wins is is the premise here so i gotta chirp the premise immediately and say well what about quebec and the eastern provinces like there that we totally forget them or they're just out what do they get their own team well, I do. I did get a few messages after my comment about Carl de Grand Prix and how I claimed that you know, I wasn't that impressed that a 25 year old was the best player in the country one year. But uh, so we may have a future guest ready to defend that, Garrett. I can't mm-hmm. co- confirm or deny these rumors, but I kind of agree with what Zane was implying there that nobody cares, <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like it. Baiting our, our listeners, go. baiting the listeners to say, hey, come on the show and defend yourself. Otherwise, apparently these guys are going to shit all over you. So Montreal, Laval, UNB, Dal. I don't even know if those guys make an OUA all-star team. So that, that's what do those guys even, what do those teams look like right now? Like wow. is everyone on after COVID? Like, wow. 
who who's still there? Wow. I like that's a, that's what I think is a good starting off point if you're gonna try to put it into an east west kind of situation. Unbelievable that you two are bringing that heat this early in the episode. Are you kidding me? That is a sharp cut right there. So if you're from out east or Quebec, hit us up in the comments and tell these guys that they're complete idiots. I will not do it because we have bigger fish to fry. We're talking OUA versus Can West, and let's get into it because, well, first of all, I'm going to make a sharp cut and say that just because of what you two said, the a Quebec AUS team would beat both those teams but we'll leave that there for now because you're, you're not we're not talking about that we're talking about can west versus oua so well let's weigh in what are you thinking i'm surprised he brought up this topic because when he said it to me garrett i don't even think it's close but then i was looking at and zane won canada games he's won ouas he did well in the ova circuit so maybe he's got some inside information but you're telling me if we combine my guy jordan canham from alberta you throw on colton from ubc and matt dahaniak i don't even know if i'm saying his last name right with all the trinity guys who are basically team canada that this is this is going more than three sets like i don't is this not like a 25 14 slap slap bang bang like hour and shower like i i don't even know if this is a competition garrett you know i have no idea who those people are you mentioned so <laughs> i think that's maybe my problem going on i think maybe i speak for the listener though who maybe has no idea they know the league they just don't know the players so i'm going to come at this argument with that perspective i guess saying but you asked the question because you thought the oua would have some sort of chance right <laughs> yeah i'd like i think we could put up a fight I think like as the OUA, like we, there's definitely some super strong talent out there. Obviously, Can West has some exceptional talent, but I don't think it's going to be a 3-0 slap. I, I think there'll be a bit of a fight. I think maybe like a 3-1, maybe a fifth set. I think if you put together the right roster, you know, get some Ian Abbott in there to build up some chemistry, like you never know what can happen. So it's all about the culture piece. So you got to think about who maybe you got coaches coming in who can help out. I know the coaches in the West are stacked, but at the same time, there's some up and coming guys in the East uh, in the OUA who could be really strong. Wow. Brings up the premise. Sells out his own squad. <laughs> That's Whoa, not, a, not a full sellout. Doesn't I'm even think saying. you could compete and get the win. Wow. I, I mean, I was ready to jump all over this, but I'm shocked that you both are saying that. Like, I feel like I have to take the other side now just to defend Ontario, even though I am in the Can West currently and neither of you two are. So Ontario would have Zane. I think he'd have Pickett. I think he'd have Eric from Queens. Like, I think there are some pieces, but like Jackson Howe is an absolute unicorn. The Elser brothers at Trinity, like there's just the list goes on and on and on. I think out West where uh, maybe it is going to be closer than I, I think it would be, but I don't think the outcomes in doubt. I think we're talking spread here, Garrett, if you're a gambler, I don't think you're talking win loss because the win loss is confirmed for me. Again, you naming names though is really not <laughs> helping anybody in the argument here. I mean, I have no idea who you're talking me about. Zane know what we're talking about and probably yeah, our four listeners you brought up some good names there but like i'm thinking like you're having eric sam cooper guys fresh off jnt squad who are up and coming you got guys like evan filardo on the pin and logan house like those are i've played with like a few of these guys and i know what they're capable of so i definitely think you can get some good like individual matchups for sure especially on the pins i think the middle is a really tough one going against the out west guys who like literally represent Canada on international stages. Um, but you got guys like Hayden Cavender, you got guys like a vet, like Jack Patterson. 
Dax Tompkins. Yeah, like again, you got a bunch of new guys. With the naming names, you guys, like, you know, comment down below if you have any idea who any of these people are. But <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think the Ken West's like third string all-star team, like you make two or three all-star teams, then that fourth all-star team is pummeling Ontario's number one team. 100%. Okay, that's, that's quite disrespectful. 100%. That now we've got a game. Now we've yeah, got a game. 100%. Western Mustangs, Jackson Beer, like he's at like, you're really just going to say that right there? 100%. Like I have no doubt in my mind. Like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. And I think that's what people will say is when you look at the results of who wins these games head to head. Well, like, well, what are we even talking about here? Like, it's not even close. There's no comparison. Like, okay. If you throw it back, maybe, okay. How about not now, but a few years ago when you were in your prime and Mac was dominant. If you think you put it together an all-star cast from that year, do you think you have the ability to beat an all-star can West team? So it's Garrett, it's Danny, it's um, and are you putting up a fight then? Or do you think, do you think it now, now you're part of this mix. So, Let's see how polar uh, you are in this. Yeah, like, I, 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 we, we, Mac couldn't beat me. Like, they, they were stacked, and they couldn't beat me with a bunch of guys in the timeout would just yell, let's go! That was our timeouts. <laughs> so they're not beating them, and then we get in the final against an Alberta team with my brother on it. And then, okay, we lose to them. I don't even think we're winning that game if you put me on Mac. Like, no. You don't think wow. you on Mac would compete against, like, your brother, Walsh, Riley Barnes? Like, you don't think you plus the Mac guys beat Alberta? The Mac guys couldn't beat our team. Okay, okay hold on. They did beat you guys. Well, not, they not in the semifinal yeah, like, of uh, Not in sports. the semifinals of Nationals, but didn't they beat you in the OUA final? So let me tell you something about uh, okay. that I've learned right. since I've gotten here is right. everyone, everyone in Can West, this includes Manitoba, Saskatchewan, all the provinces, they go, oh yeah, nobody cares about the Can West finals. Well, you guys care about OUAs? Who cares? Like nobody cares at all. And so it's like, oh yeah, every year that's a huge win in Ontario when we realize like, Oh, like we're, nobody get nobody cares. Like that 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 like, am I am I wrong? I don't know. I have trouble believing that no one cares about the championship of your province. That's a pretty big like. I guess when Trinity dominates, it's hard to really care. Well, like so, playing for a berth. All but. the other provinces go. Well, we got multiple provinces in our championship, and then we go to nationals, and that's the thing that cares. You got one province. And you're competing for the win. And then you said, like, you're going to win nationals. Like, who cares about the province? Like, that's what a lot of people say. I don't know. I tend to agree. Maybe it's something about me moving out west now. I'm getting some of that west coast vibe over here. Fully assimilated. I'm trying to earn some brownie um, points as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Zane, if nationals hadn't been paused last year because of the whole COVID thing, and we're not going to get into it because we are a volleyball show. Like, what was the the mood around Queens going into that tournament? Like, were you guys talking metal? Or were you talking finals? I the conversation was definitely metal. We like in my years there, we like kind of had a progression of like what's our next goal, and I think the next one for us was metal. Coming in ranked third, and uh, we were playing Mac, who we beat in a semifinal in the quarterfinal. So we were feeling pretty strong about playing for a medal, and I think. 
we played Trinity earlier that year and lost like 25, 13 each set. So I feel like I'm kind of hurting my own point from before. Garrett, stop nodding. I, <laughs> I, I, but yeah, I just keep talking because it's helping me. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I definitely think there was an option to there's an opportunity to medal for us. Uh, I can't speak for the other teams, but I think you can't really go in without expecting to medal unless you kind of beat yourself before. I mean, good for you for getting the third seed because the the nobody caring about Ontario, like the, nobody would get a seed above like five. If you're from Ontario, you're getting a bottom half seed. Even if you win, you're getting the fourth seed every time. So, I mean, good for you. Sorry, we didn't get to play that out. But I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you would have lost because that's just terribly rude. Who knows? You could win. I mean, we've had teams win and do well. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you look at the depth and the peak that you get from the can West, we just can't compete. Like I've lived through the OUA and I'm thinking about guys we have starting, like starting guys on decent teams in the OUA. And you're like, Mm -hmm. how is this person even a volleyball player? Like the type of thing that they're bringing on some of these teams. Like it's not that bad. Josh, no, we need to raise our standards on this show. It is absolutely that bad. Like you got guys who can't hit around a double block. They can't do it. Like, okay, so Gary, I knew you weren't planning on probably watching OUA volleyball this year, but definitely don't with how things are, I think, shaping up. <laughs> probably won't live up to your really high expectations. Well, no, I just need to see somebody go up and hit a, a P2, go up and hit it around a double block. You don't need to score. Just hit it around. Don't only to a line. That can't be your only shot. I like Zane's smile because when I did watch OUA, and this was even before the break, Zane, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I got on Abrams about this when we were on the show. Uh, I think the OUA, once the, the the first swing, the first attempt on side out is over, it turns into this tip, continue the rally, let's recycle, let's try to get a block, let's let our defense work. Like, did Queens talk about that? Is U of T talking about that? We're just like, oh, we don't want to make errors. Errors are the enemies. Let's just hit as a bunch of continues until somebody like makes an error on the other side or we block them. Yeah, I, that's a funny one. Cause I, it's definitely is talked about. It's like, we want to recycle as much as possible. What? Just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. If we're not in ideal situation, I think we're aiming for a recycle. Like we're not giving them an option, but like, how can, oh you, not my trust God. Your, how can you not trust your block defense? You know what I mean? Why? Because that's mean? not, <laughs> Oh my gosh. That so makes so much going sense out now. To score. First option, obviously, is you want to score every time, yes. right? Like you're not playing volleyball unless that's the goal. But if the situation isn't there, I think what the coaches in the OUA are saying is let's put ourselves in a favorable situation to score. And I think that's happening everywhere. I think you're saying that like, if you say otherwise, you're not describing volleyball. No, no. Like the style is definitely very different. And this is probably why I'm saying Can West is so much better. You see the occasional tip from those teams in an attempt to score. But if there's a high ball situation, you're going to score like you're hitting it. Mm-hmm. Like in Ontario, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to set up our trust our block defense. How, what do you think a side out percentage on a free ball tip is? Probably 80 percent. Yeah, should be. Whereas if you have a left side hitting 30% and that's, in, you know, 50%, maybe they get a few errors. Like you have a half 50, 50 chance of scoring on that point. If they take a swing, most of my kills in my career are on terrible sets. Like you're going to call out your setter like that. No, 
like not in system. Like I'm getting like jacked up plays. something from yeah, somebody yeah. else that it's like, nobody thinks this is a big play. I take a risk and score. Like that's, yeah. that's volleyball. Like you watch international, nobody's tipping. And when they do, they score. Cause it's an attack. Like, ah, it's funny you yeah. say that, that you talk about it because you see it and it's like, well, I mean, there it is. Yeah. I think it just goes <laughs> like, like, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, like when you think about the OUA and how many teams there are in the province, you're not going to get as deep of a roster with guys who are as physical to be able to do that successfully. You maybe get one or two guys, a left side, a right side, who can swing on any ball and score, or at least put yourself in a better situation. But when you go out West, what do you got? Two, two universities per province. Where does the talent go? If you have good talent, you're all going to the same school. So most guys might be able to do that, but you're right. Like in the OUA, it's so dense with all the schools. How are you going to fill out a roster where everyone can do that? Obviously you got to try to switch and play to your personnel. I don't think it's any worse. Well, obviously it'd be ideal if like you could, but I don't know. I, I just like think it's very different between can West in terms of how deep their rosters are and OUA schools just because of that. It just breaks my heart to hear this, Garrett, that you want your P2 to be like an even or not a minus at the end of the game where when uh, the Shermers hosted that Can-Am thing, I, I got to hear the Ohio State coach talk and they're talking to the NCAA. The biggest thing between winning and losing is your kill percentage. So they're they're going to get kills. Kills win games and they're being aggressive and they're going for it where it sounds like the, the talent pool is not there. The rosters aren't there where if you're a P2 in the OUA right now, just be even at the end of the game. Even if you, just, if you make two errors, if you have two kills, you know, pat yourself on the back, you know, go back and serve receive you know, hit some more continues and you're a good player in this league where that kind of breaks my heart, Garrett. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a story about uh, our P2, my roommate in university, Doug Ostrom. Shout out, Doug. Um, He was our P2 and it could hand pass. He was a classic OUA P2 hand pass hit line. Like that's just the (laughs) classic. Right. And it got so bad that one game Windsor we played and they peeled on him in system. If we set him in system, they would call down and peel. He's getting a good set and just feasting. And he hit on the game. He probably went five for 10 with no errors. <laughs> but five times they had a guy just standing up in one, just hand digging a feast <laughs> on him. And I don't know. They That was obviously stupid. Like you can't have him go five for 10, but they had the balls to go down on our P2. I've never seen that. I've seen down on sea balls. I don't know if that happens in the OUA much. It definitely happens in club a lot. I I have never seen the front row say down, 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 down. Yeah, it was incredibly stupid and it did not work out. Obviously. What what do you mean? How is that anyway? But I think that goes to show like the type of caliber we're getting. But I think it all comes back to my point. If the talent is so spread out in all the schools, then you put together an all-star team. Well, well, like it, I don't understand. Like you, you're doing the same thing in Can West. If the talent is focused, but they, they're doing the same thing. Like that, that makes no difference. And the style here is just like we've said, I absolutely detest the, the tip recycle. It is just such a, it, it, it's a, it's a gut punch. I think we've yeah. solved it. I think we we've, we've solved it. Have we, I mean, any I just don't there? think it's going to be as big as you're thinking it is. I'm thinking if you're doing that, you're putting together all those guys with that kind of play style, that swing first mentality. I don't think it's an absolute blowout. Could be totally off the mark, but I, I think it's close. Yeah, like some of the stuff those Can West teams do, like when they get really good and they do at their peak is pretty cool. 
And I, I don't see any of that stuff coming from Ontario. Like you're running combinations, you run stuff in system. These guys are ripping. That's the other thing too. The style difference. OUA is a float serve first, uh, league. It's like 80% floats. Um, and Ken West, you got at least half the team ripping tough spin serves because they're just used to it. That's just the style, right? And the floats in Ontario, I've found, aren't that great. I don't know. I'll leave that up to, well, maybe you don't pass, Zane. I don't know. But I mean, I'll, I'll leave that up to you guys. No, I'm just familiar with watching balls fall off the tape and land. And then I'm, that's I don't your, get that's that, your ball. That's, that's my ball. Okay. So that would uh, never so happen if we put together an all star team. There'd be no net flipper dropping. But I think, I don't know. You'd be surprised. All the guys from, especially Trinity, they all hybrid serve now. And that's something we definitely don't do in Ontario. And that is something that puts them at like a clear advantage. I remember we went out West and we saw that hybrid serve for the first time. And it was deadly. You have like Lepke ripping hybrid serves at you, like Jackson house float. Like it was, it was tough for our passers just because you've never seen it before. So yeah. Yeah. Surfing is definitely a difference. Yeah. So I am a little bit disappointed that our, our topic on the show was to discuss an all-star game where we all three of us decide that the league we didn't come from is <laughs> just pummeling us. And I, I'm sad to hear that. I will say the last OUA game I watched now, this is maybe four years ago was at UFT in Toronto in the beautiful gym. Went to see the men and women play because um, we got kind of a family connection on the UFT women's team. And I just figured I'd stay for the men because I think they were playing Western. So I was like, ah, it's my, you know, that's where I went. So I went and watched them play. And I think I saw probably the most tips in that men's game in the first set than I'd maybe ever seen in, in any game I've ever watched. And it was like, You'd have a tip battle, like where both teams are just tipping it back and forth to see who can out tip the other guy. And then the rally ends on a tip error. Like what a, what a terribly unentertaining game and bad volleyball. Is that still no, how it's a happening? great spectator sport? That's probably, that must've been fun and riveting. That must've been oh, good rally. Good rally. Yeah. What? No, not <laughs> good, good rally. It's a tip. Yeah. Okay. Tip pass set tip. Nobody's having so when fun. Z when Zane's in the back row, he's probably going to average about nine digs every three rotations, I think, because everyone's just going to try to take out the setter, take yes. out the setter on all these tips, right? Yes, take no, out the setter, high ball, tip to the setter. Like, yes. Let's pad my, our uh, continues here, boys, and get the setters a ton of digs. In my uh, in my first year, I had Marcus Trent as my right side, and he was just like the biggest guy. Like him and Lucas Coleman were like by far the biggest guys in the OUA at that time. And literally everyone didn't want to hit against him, so they just tipped over the block every time. And I think I got in my entire career the most amount of digs I had was that year because I would just sit under the block and just pick up balls, and we would just run like tempo from the back row to our pins. But uh, I hear what you're saying; it's definitely definitely a frequent thing in the OUA. I don't know if coaches are super happy about it. I think it's like we might see a shift with the new talent coming in, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, is that what your coaches are telling you? Like, I mean, you're playing for two different schools now. I never did that. I only played for one school. So you get kind of a unique perspective, I think, when you like change schools, right? You play for two different coaches, obviously. Yeah. Maybe three if you had some changeover in your coach while you were at Queens. Was it the same? Yeah, I had, uh, I had Brenda Willis in my first year and then Gabe DeGroote. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so third, fourth. You've had three different university coaches and are like they encouraging the team to like if you're in a bad position to tip continue? I think 
there's people who have the green light to go and there's definitely people who don't <laughs> everywhere. Like everybody's got their favorites. It's like, Hey, you could take a swing, but you, you better not, or you're off the table. I think, but I, I don't, it's not discussed like that. It's like, this is your role. Okay, so we're going to play within our role and it's going to help the team. And it's all about the team at that point, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's you got your big guys ripping on balls. You try to get them. They probably how many balls is the P2 really getting in any like in any situation? Like ideally in a good offense, you're not feeding your P2 in system balls. And if it is, it's hopefully one on one where they can put the ball away. Right. So interesting philosophy you got there on the P2. Yeah, like if you're greenlighting your P1 and your right side in system, out of system, that's fine. Why do you need your P2? Your P2 is not getting the bulk of the volume. Hopefully you have good middles and a pipe attack. Like you don't need that. Hey, in my first year, I was P2 and I had the majority of the sets on the team. So, I, I mean, now we... Who was the P1 over you? Yeah, I mean, just Reed Halpany was the P1 over me. Right. I mean, again, though, over, like, that's the thing is like over you, like there's some sort of position battle, like somebody, like you said, somebody got the green light, like coaches actually telling somebody, hey, this is your role. Your role is not going for kills when, <laughs> when you get a high ball. Like, is that, because I'd be going for it if I was P2 and coach is like, hey, your role is the P2. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pass. But if I get set, I'm going for glory, coach. Right. But if you're off the net against a trip, are you telling me you're swinging 100 percent at the block? Or are you doing something you are known for your craftiness? Off the net on the triple is the best spot to be in because you will always have a chance to go around it. That's my point here. <laughs> Nobody can do that. <laughs> like if you're off the net and the triple goes like they're oh, you always have a shot. Like you, you always yeah, have a lane. But- like straight to the defender who's why the triple's there to just funnel a ball to your little bit like the libero like hey what do you mean you wouldn't believe the amount of liberos who aren't digging 75 percent hits their direction like you could hit 50 percent on that type of ball like it's unbelievable hmm. all right i might have to bring that back to my team then <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Or the other one on the triple block for anyone who's listening is where does six go? If six is sliding into the corner, then that means you have the 75% shot to one six that you can hit and nobody's there over the block, just dropping in the court there to the left of the setter or player in position one, you got open court there. Scored a lot of points on that one too. No one ever shifted to that side after seeing you do it every time. Well, if they did, then I had the corner. Then I had the other corner. They had to pick one or the other, right? Yeah. There you go. Hopefully your triples taking away some of that space. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Triples. What do you mean? Yeah. What, what are they taking? Like I'm going high. You're not going to touch me. Yeah. I remember at Queens when we played against Xander, Xander was obviously the biggest guy in the league. He just hit over blocks all the time. We literally just sat our left side in the like outside of the court and waited for him to go over top or around. And anything that was like trying to move around the block was a roll or it was a hard shot that was just easily dug by our left side in system can run pipe. But I think like there's ways around it. I think like if you don't try to be crafty with tipping and roll shots and stuff into the pot, like that's where the open space is. That's technically what the triple's taking away. Yep. So if you're not using that, you might get game planned really hard. And that's how we had some success against Xander specifically still probably went off for like 24 kills because it's Xander. But at the same time, it's like we probably stopped him a lot more uh, than he could have gone for. So 24 kills is a successful stop. Against Xander in his first year. 
Yes, like 24. In a- Sorry, not 24, not 24 kills. Maybe like 20 points. That's a shitload of points. Like how many sets are you playing? Like I averaged in my best year, five points a set in my best year. Yeah, all our games went five with Ryerson. Okay, but still 20 points on a five set match is pretty good. Yeah. Like your no, players dream for that. You're talking about the MVP of the league. He was a first team all Canadian, like just playing pro now, like talking yeah. about one of the best guys in the league at the time. Yeah. Well, I think that's. Uh, I, I, listen, I'm just here to complain. Okay, Zane. Like I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've okay. seen the show before. Like, you, yeah. I mean, clearly not because it, it, you're not going to get anything positive from me. Definitely not about yeah. Ontario volleyball. That's for sure. I gotta try. Funny enough, when I was uh, we were at the banquet for nationals, and Xander stats came onto the board. We were sitting right beside the Trinity Western table, and I remember a couple of the guys saw his stats and they looked at us. And they were like, "Do you guys ever block against this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "We really tried. I don't know what to tell he's you." He's got seven hundred attempts on the year, and he's got four hundred kills. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely, we definitely got some looks like that from Trinity. We just had no answer. Just like. Okay. Like we we did what we could. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I think yeah. we can move on. We I think we've solved though that uh I mean we're all fans of the Can West over Ontario and we're confident in their ability. So if you're listening and you're from out West, I mean congrats. Congrats for you. Hit that subscribe button. Like I don't know what else really to tell you in this moment. So I did have something else I wanted to bring up because before the show we were talking and you said something that kind of triggered me a little bit and I want to kind of dive into it. You mentioned your rookies. You said my rookies. And I said, hey, let, no, let's pause that because I want to dive into that because I'm not sure what it meant, but it definitely brings up some, some emotion in me. So I'm curious, what did you mean by that? just the rookies on the team okay yeah there's nothing, are you nothing. assigned rookies are you responsible for like a certain player's behavior or to help them as like a big brother like are you guys like do you have a mentorship thing set up or when you say my rookies do you mean a specific guy or like any of the first years are your rookies no i mean like as a team like we all take care of each other whether you're a transfer student who's a fifth year or like i'm technically a rookie on my team as well so like i'm with i'm with those guys so uh it's like my yeah, my guys like that is horseshit. <laughs> like what? Did you just say the words you're technically a rookie too? Yeah, well, you're not. No, 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 no. You're okay. the back-to-back champion in the league. You transferred EMT. It's like, hey, carry my bag, rookie. <laughs> but here's the thing: that doesn't happen anymore. I don't know what happened with you, Garrett, when you were in the league. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, I know. We cannot in get into time. what happened to me. So yeah. Long, long time ago. Um, no, well, but not that long ago, Zane. Yeah, 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 not that long ago. Come on. <laughs> I was like a little. I was like a little kid watching you play when you were in uh, in U Sports. So like, I was like, damn, really little. So I was young. So damn. Um, either way, yeah, I think the times the times are definitely different. It's not like the separation between rookies and guys on the team like isn't really there as much. Right, but like the term, like y- even if. I'm just curious because is everybody call the first year players like my rookies? Like these are our rookies. Like, is that? Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think it's like a collective thing. There's not much weight behind that term, I don't think. think Because it's still used and it was used back then. And people, I know people used to be assigned rookies and there's like, no, that's, that's your rookie, like one to one. Like, oh, really? You're kind of responsible 
for this guy. And it was kind of good. It was well-intentioned, I think. I just hate yeah. the term rookie. Like, I absolutely hate that term, especially when it comes to, like, volleyball. Like, you're in your first year, and maybe you've played club for, like, seven years, potentially in your first year playing volleyball. And maybe there's a second year guy who, who only played for three years and now you're a rookie and that guy is your vet. And it's like, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? Do you, do you think it's comparable? Like the OVA gap to OUA? Well, absolutely. What are you talking about? Is the mentorship just volleyball or is it a guy to help you? I don't know. Maybe you're matched up in the same program or maybe they can show you around campus or maybe there's some other stuff to it. Or is the the whole goal just volleyball? Yeah. At least from what I, I mean, again, maybe you're right. Maybe things have gotten better in, I guess the Mm -hmm. nine, eight, nine years that I've been out of it. But I just, it just triggered me because like, and you are part of that rookies group on your current team. Yeah, just incoming. It's more of just like a term of incoming athletes. Yeah, it's, it doesn't carry the same way. Like when I was in first year, like in my first year, there was definitely a little bit of a divide between like the vets and the rookies. Like the rookies didn't have a like a ton of like power and decisions or like we had a lot of the jobs like we had rookie jobs like that was something we had. And it was like nothing outside. It was just like in terms of volleyball, it's like you had certain things to do and you did them and it was what it was. But as soon as Gabe came in, he like shut that down so fast. It was like we're all equal parts in this team. And we just like that was the biggest difference in our culture. And I like now that I'm a U of T, it's a very similar thing. So um it's it's no more of that like super higher. I can't speak for every team, but yeah. uh, at least on the two teams I've played on now, that's been a big shift in difference. I mean, snaps for progress. I mean, Gabe, congrats. I mean, great move there. I love to hear that because it just boils my blood to think that like a first year player coming in would in any way feel unwelcome in a team environment that they had to try out for and earn a spot on. You know what I mean? Like, and you mentioned rookie jobs. We had that too. Like I'm picturing yeah. back myself filling up the water bottles before a game that I'm about to start in. Like what the hell is going on here? Like this yeah. makes absolutely no sense. Like fill up your own water bottle, do your own stuff. Like everybody set up the net type thing. Like, so if there's any teams out there, Get your shit together. Get rid of the rookie duties. Everybody's in this together. First year players, welcome them with open arms. That's my soapbox for uh, for the episode. Yeah. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to ask Zane, did anybody welcome you to U of T? Like, was there like any formal? Because Gary, when you were on Passing Dimes, anyone wants to go listen to that. Like you mentioned, you know, rookies, sometimes they're not pulled aside. Even if the coach just wants to go up to them, Hey man, glad you're here. Like uh, if you need anything, let me know. Like the, those conversations don't happen very often, at least not that I'm aware of. So Zane, uh, first with U of T, was there any like formal welcoming process or anybody talked to you? And did it happen at Queens when you were like a true, like 18 year old first year? Yeah. The, uh, for U of T recently, I remember it was all, it was during COVID. So I basically accepted my master's, um, and then told, told John, that I was coming to U of T and, uh, I got the first team meeting was I was on with all the U of T guys and not, none of them knew basically. So he gave a little bit of an introduction for that. 
but our first and all the rookies who signed that year were there too. So John went through and introduced everyone and made sure it was like a pretty like informal kind of chat just so everyone can get to know each other. Uh, Queens, it was just show up at training camp. Hey, like, how's it going? Like more so my first year with Brenda, it was, it was a lot of just like, okay, we're here, let's go. And that was it. And then kind of the vets on the team told us like, okay, so being a rookie, this is what you're doing. And like, this is like the dynamics and stuff. And we're just kind of more like informed that way. But in years after with Gabe, it was very different. It was like a big formal welcoming when they came on their recruiting visits. It was a big thing. So yeah, a little different in each spot. I'm sure every team does it differently. I don't know. Garrett, did you have something different? Absolutely. 100%. And I'm not sure how much I really want to talk about what we did on our team. Cause like, I don't think it's great and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to like sell out the program a little bit. Cause, but, uh, my, my first practice, <laughs> my very first practice. So I had a bit of a weird thing too, is like, I went to the team and didn't practice cause I was training for the worlds, the beach worlds that were that year. This is 2010. So I go to the beach worlds and win, win the junior world championship and then come back to my indoor team. And Jim goes, Hey, Garrett, you know, we'd like you to give a little, you know, speech to the guys just about, you know, winning and, and, you know, being world champion. And I'm like, are you serious? This has to be a joke. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, come on. We we, want to do it. I'm like, all right, fine. So I get up there and I'm going to speak and <laughs> one of the guy, one of the guy go, goes, uh, Hey, speak up. We can't hear you. I'm like, uh, okay. And then I go to start into this ad lib speech and they all just leave and run and start practice while I'm just standing there. And I'm like, great practical joke boys. Like now I feel super welcomed to the team. Not like I don't, I've never even met half of you. <laughs> like such yeah. a weird entrance to the team for me. So I've got some bad memories when it comes to that stuff. I just don't like not, not to be that guy. I just don't understand how like hazing or bullying or working someone helps us win games. Like I understand that you don't want a first year coming in thinking he's the big shooter and, and you got to like pay your dues in a little bit. I just never understood why that stuff helps you win games. Like there, there's Garrett and I know people who have gone to university and they, they have to drink or they have to, you know, run around naked or they have to do scavenger hunts. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't understand how that transfers to us being a better team and helps us win games, which should be the goal, right? Well, I will say there might be some value in that on the court. Like if a kid comes in and is like thinking they're hot shit because they maybe got an all-star at the 18U championship and now you're playing with men, there, there could be some value there in like, you know, physically putting them in their place on the volleyball court. Like if it's possible. You know what I mean? Like if the team is that much better, like, hey, no, and you get blocked or you, you know, hey, let them know. Like, hey, no, we, we that can't fly here in the men's game, like or, or whatever. Right. But off the court, it can't be that. You know what I mean? Like it absolutely cannot be that in any way. Like, I think to an extent that's probably OK, but it doesn't like. Even like just getting like down on people to put them in their place. Like, what is that accomplishing? Like to let them know physically on the court, like how does that accomplish anything besides just like breaking down their confidence? Well, These me- are people who are new, young, like they're trying to get their foot in. They're like ambitious. And you know what? You go block them and you're chirping them through the net. I can't see that helping either. Well, let me let me use an example then, because, yeah, being mean never really is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for example, when you got 
somebody coming in who we had a guy, I won't name him, but uh, we had a guy come in who was like super chummy, was like really involved with the team right away, and it, which was great. And so everybody was kind of okay with that. But on the court, just constantly kept really making dumbass mistakes um, that kind of impacted the drill type thing. You know what right. I mean? And so holding a firm, high standard of that sort of thing, especially with like new people coming in who need to get socialized to what you're doing in practice, I think can go a long way. Like if you just kind of, Oh no, it's okay. Like, Hey, nice try. Like, you know, it's like, well, maybe that it's not as effective as like, Hey, what are you doing? Like get to where you need to be like a quick boom, let them know. And then let's move on type thing. Could be beneficial. That's maybe that's more my style. I don't know. Is that not happening in practicing? We kind of talked before the show that the uh, COVID pause wasn't a good experience for everybody. And some people are looking a little rusty. Uh, like what is the mood around practice when guys don't know the rotation or they're not, you know, I don't know, the wing front row wing guy isn't peeling off and playing defense the right way. Like, are they being addressed by peers or is that really the coach's job because of the, the mood you want to establish a practice? Yeah, I think it's definitely like peer led. Like I think it needs like you can get on someone for not doing something, but you can never get on them for doing something that you won't do yourself. So it's like, be positive, reinforce them, make sure like, Hey, I see you trying like, and like be as positive as you can be. But at the same time, like the best way you're going to get them into that habit is by doing it yourself. And I think like when I played with Zach Hutchison at Queens, he was the best role model. He would always give you positive reinforcement and like try to support you. But we'd also grind the entire game, letting you know, like, this is the standard. We no one needed to say anything about like, you need to do this. This is like this is our level of play. Like you're not cutting it. It was I'm putting my body out on the line. You're seeing it every day you need to do the same. And it's just like that kind of just rubs off on people. So maybe the direct ap approach could be a little bit shorter. Uh, not so much my style, maybe your style, but, uh, yeah, I definitely think like there's a difference in that. Well, it's a good segue cause it does may lead me to the, uh, the May verse Grossinger style. I will say the Grossinger family, a lot nicer, a lot more pleasant, a lot more polite to be around than the Mays traditionally. I mean, traditionally we'll see what some of these young Mays up and coming are like, but, uh, traditionally that's the case. I've been meaning to ask you Zane, cause it's not often I get the chance to talk to, people who kind of come from whose parents played volleyball and were kind of involved in the scene and kind of grew up in that and had to deal with that. Like I did. Right. I mean, it, it, there's a handful of us, I think, whose parents are like OGs or at least in the Toronto community or the Ontario community. So I'm curious because tell me if you got this a ton, you're a kid, you're growing up, you meet some old fart, you're a kid. So they're an old fart to you. And they come and they go, Oh yeah. You know, I used to play with or against your dad. Like, Oh yeah, it was great. Like how often are you getting that when you walk around as a young Zane? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. The funniest part though about it is sometimes it's not even like people just coming up to me. Like I like sat on the bench of like my brother's team when they played and my dad, like my dad was my brother's coach. So yeah. like, I always got to travel around, Yeah, but my dad is funny in the sense like he's one of the most extroverted people I know. Oh, yeah. And he would go out of his way to be like, hey, I got to introduce you to someone that I played against. <laughs> and then Wait, so there was like no he's got to introduce you so that that person can tell you about playing with him when he was a kid or when he was young. <laughs> yeah, just about their experience of playing against each other or with each other. And like I'm like probably like eight years old and don't remember many of the names. But at the same time, I was like, you just kind of sit there and nod and 
Yeah, like my my dad had a good volleyball career and he's played with a lot of people and coaching and stuff. He's super happy about all that. So he he loves to like be like, hey, have you met this person? Like, come here. So yeah. what what are you getting though? Because for me, it was the same thing every time when I'm meeting these people. I don't know these people. Oh, right? really? It's the same thing. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, I used to play against your dad. Uh, quite the mouthpiece he had on him, you know, pretty much every time. And I'm like, oh, every same response. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, not like him at all. I don't know. Like every single person would say that to me though. Is it the same with you and Howie? Yeah, like, I think because I was so young when I was going through it at first, everyone only said positive things. So I haven't heard any of the any of the chirps or anything. Like I have to assume, like I'm hoping my dad was chirping back then. Like I don't know, but I would like him to cause uh, cause some trouble. But well, yeah, but, no, but that's of- not what they would say about Howie. They'd come to you and say, would- "Oh, your dad's such a great guy." Probably. Yeah, like it was like he's great. He's great. Like he was a great competitor. Um, really, like he had good hands. I'm like. Thanks. Okay, like, you're getting the good hands. Yeah, nobody's saying my dad had good hands. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> yeah, they used to say, yeah, he couldn't jump over a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm German him while he's not here. That that is hilarious. Cause, yeah. Because it's true. I mean, I guess if you don't have like a volleyball parent and you kind of grew up in that, you don't really know what that's like. I'll tell you a funny story because you brought up Ian Ebbett earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've told this story on the show, but so we're at, I'm young. I'm at my brother's tournament. My dad's coaching. I guess Ian was there coaching a younger team. So Ian's a guy, I don't know if he still does this, but at Madawaska did like the hand racing whoa, whoa, where everybody's like yelling and stuff. I mean, you know, obviously Zane, but uh, for our listeners and I don't know, he led that. Does he still do that? Uh, actually, Ian's not, he's not at Madawaska anymore, okay. but up until the end, he was definitely doing that. Yeah. Like everyone is cheering basically how high his hands are. So that's the yeah. only I had of him. I'm 14. I went to Madawaska for one year and I, that's how, oh, that's the guy. And so yeah. I'm at this tournament. Dad goes, Hey, Garrett, come here. Let me introduce you to Ian Ebbett. And I go, <laughs> Hey Ian, nice to meet you. And he goes, Oh no. Yeah. We've met. No, Madawaska. Yeah. We like, you know, definitely. Yeah. Good to see you again. And I was like, no, no, we didn't like, not, I don't know. He was like, no, no. Yeah. Like Madawaska, we just, and I was like, not, I mean, okay. I don't remember that though. <laughs> my dad immediately was like, you, you trying to pretend like you knew my son and you, and you actually didn't. <laughs> it was super awkward, but I guess we laughed about it afterwards. Cause he was like, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, yes, I absolutely did. Yeah. That was great. No, there's definitely hundreds of kids who cycled through there. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I remember having my dad in volleyball. I just got started off really young, like going to watch, I guess like at games and stuff. I think I was like eight, like watching my brother play, whatever it was like Sergey Grabowski, Steve Marr, Cole, like it was that squad. Yeah. And I remember like in between sets, my dad would be like, Hey, like, let's just go to the side for a second. I'm like, okay. He would like pull out a volleyball and he would start just like hitting balls at me <laughs> and I'd be digging and people, people would be like looking like I have a vivid memory of me at like Sherbrooke nationals when like my brother was 16 and I was just like digging balls in the corner, like trying to get my platform right. But like definitely having a volleyball parent was like that was young. I started out. I don't know how it was for you, but that was definitely for me something that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I Because my dad, my biological father, sorry, I mean, we need to be clear on that. Um, we He used to run the only tour 
national beach volleyball tour this country's ever seen for our listeners out there. Next time he's on the show, though, let's not bring that up and really feed his ego. Let's kind of keep that. But he used to run that. And so that was his job for a while. And so when I was a kid, like that was what he was doing for a living. So we'd go often because my mom also like kept the books for that. So we're going to all these tournaments, like road trips, whatever. And I just have vivid memories of like at five years old, six years old, being on a backcourt, like trying to jump serve on the backcourt, like just wailing at it. But having some success a very young yeah. like on the backcourt while they're playing the finals on the main court and reed's just like making a sandcastle or something beside because he's like very young so yeah absolutely like you i mean huge advantage no doubt mm. for me like trying to become a great volleyball player having a parent who was like super passionate about it right like i mean i didn't have an older brother though as well because i'm sure you got some benefits of like him being the first crack at it and you get to watch him and go, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah, no, it was definitely a lot of that. I think my brother had a lot of injuries, so he was like, it was tough. And I, even in his, like, he played with you in your last year at Western. So, uh, I was definitely, I think for me, it was more of a, like definitely a role model. Like I tried, I wanted to follow his path. I like Western, like growing up, I was like, when I saw him go to Western, I was like, that's where I want to be. Like, I definitely want to go to Western. And then, the cycle ended up not working out the way they had both hooker brothers there. And then I got the call for Brenda to be like, Hey, uh, we have one setter. We need another one. This might be a good spot for you. So it ended up working out like that. But yeah, Cole is always definitely, my brother is like a huge role model for me in terms of my path through volleyball. You know what? Get that gross and your nice shit out of here, Zane. You know what? I mean, this is sharp cuts. I mean, you guys, it's a, saying your brother's your role model. Reed and I, I think to this day are like, we have this argument. <laughs> You'll love this, oh. Josh. We have this argument every, like not every time, but often six me's versus six U's. who's coming out on top. <laughs> and like, we have that argument genuinely. I think he genuinely is like, no, me. And I'm of course generally like, no, me. That's probably not an argument that's happening in the Grossinger household. I bet. No, especially when neither of us are offensive, like, in any capability on the core, we both don't jump very high, both setters. I, I, I feel like that's a hard conversation for us to have. We've talked about playing beach together um, and maybe against each other. My first year playoffs, I played against Cole because he rejoined the squad. Um, and in our quarterfinal, his job was to track my setting distribution. So when we crossed the net, I was chirping a little bit. That's he awful. was like, Yeah, he. It, it was that tough, is straight but, up yeah. awful. Jim, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to have the older brother track his younger brother who's playing, by the way, setting tendencies. Come on. Yeah, that's harsh. And we won that game. So I don't I don't want to put the blame anywhere. But <laughs> yeah, Paul, what are you doing, man? You blew it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he was helping us out. I don't know. But it, it was definitely funny. And we've never been on the court at the same time before. Was I when you played in the national final? Was that your first time like playing against each other? Have you guys played against each other at time? First time, first time ever. Yeah, bro versus bro. Yeah, were you yipping across the net or what? No, Hmm. no. I mean, I think if it was more about us, like if the match was like very much about us, right? I think we might have been, but it was not really about us. Kind of was about the rest of his team and the rest of my team. Like so. Anyway, that's ancient history, man. Nobody cares about that. If you care about that, hit that like button because nobody (laughs) is doing that. I have one more thing I want to ask because I'm curious because this is maybe. How old are you, Zane? Are you maybe our youngest guest? 
I'm 21. Have Turning we had 20. anybody younger than Zane? On sharp cuts, no. On passing dimes, yes. Uh, on sharp cuts, I don't think so. I, I like the shallow plug, the the subtle plug constantly for passing dimes. Please go. Yeah, watch, new episodes every Friday. Yeah, check it out. Listen to those if you haven't. Absolutely, check out the Garrett May one. When are you going to have me on again, Josh? That's a different story. Um, but what I wanted to hear, and I'm kind of curious because I've been out of it for so long, right? And spent a bunch of time in college and beach and stuff. What is kind of some of the trends in the indoor university culture that are weirding you out that you're like, what, what is this? Why are we doing this? Like, cause there's stuff that we did back in the day where even at the time I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. What are we doing? Like, um, I'll try to think of a good example, but I'm curious if anything sticks out in your mind is like, this is kind of weird that people have started doing this. What a tough yeah, that's question. a good one. I, I got to think about that. I don't know. Cause I think everything like, moving ever ever since my first year it was always like what do you guys want to do and that's what we did it was like super like nothing like offside none of that in no, my no, first i mean like actually on the court like it part of the game like things that are done like so i'll give you an example like back okay. at the end line when the other team is hitting you're doing like that s- serve to each other thing and every time somebody passes the ball you go oh or something like a lot of teams used to do that. I don't know if they still do that. Is there weird stuff like that that people are doing? Okay. The weird one for me, for sure, is it was never on my team, but there were certain teams in the league when certain things happened in the game, they were doing different coordinated moves at the end of the court. So they were like in the box, the guys who were off. Oh, yeah. They would like, okay, there's an error. We're going to do like three push-ups. And then they would all go. <laughs> <laughs> if there was like uh if there was a missed serve it was like we're gonna do like a like a i don't, I don't know like a jump like plyo thing wait but so and not like not like chirp not like a, a cheer they're actually doing like exercise exercise to like stay warm i guess <laughs> so you don't have to name names but i do like if i get it right you got to give me a sign here uh windsor maybe was doing this uh york was maybe doing this york was definitely doing it i feel like <laughs> Actually, i don't remember them doing it i have one team specifically in my head who definitely did it um but hey like they're good so i couldn't well, for no. some reason i picture york doing like a big bow and arrow thing after an ace like some of their box oh, squad they, guys they, like they had some coordinated celebrations for so sure i like yeah. that i do like that the, the exercise though is like not only are people confused, like everybody's missing the point here. Like if it's a miss serve and you do a push up, there's not, it's not a connection there for anybody involved. Right. Whereas yeah. at least if you do like kind of some fun celebration thing, people get it, you know, like you're in the game when you do a push up, it just seems like you're off doing your own thing. You're not even paying attention. Yeah. The celebrations on some teams have gone out of control. I remember one game, we had a celebration where a guy, I think there was like a massive block. Like we got a huge block and one of like, one of our young guys like went down and pretended to like fall <laughs> and like some guy like gave him like CPR and they like revived him. Yeah, I love him. that though. No, I'm so about that. After the game, we, we won that game. We had to send an apology letter what? to the other team for the no. celebration. No. no. Are yeah. you kidding me? In college with the George Brown team, when I was coaching, we did all of that. We had like crazy, the dumbest celebrations. We'd yell the weirdest things. One of our cheers was 
Dirks demand them. Does that mean anything to you? Those are just sounds. I don't even yeah, know what you're saying. Those are just sounds. It's yeah. 100% slang. And I see, even I'm hip with the young kids. Yeah, Gurks and bad. Like that was that was what we would yell all that stuff and do the so I'm totally down for that. The one thing that yeah. bothered me though, and I, tell me if they some teams still do this, is like before, like after they're hitting warm up, they'd like just start yelling and come into a circle and just yell loud, ah! and then like it dispersed and go off and go back. Like maybe, and even if they're hitting first, they just go back to the bench or whatever. Then the next, next yeah, team like comes put on in. their jerseys, like calmly after yeah. we're going to get ready for the game. Yeah. Like it never made any sense to me. It always was a bit of a shock. Like as soon as everybody starts, yeah, it's like, Whoa, like what, what are you doing? Like do, do teams still do that? Or are there weird things that are new that I don't even know about? Well, the no, warmups no. changed, Garrett. When was the last time you saw a game? It's not like a five, five anymore. Right. Zane, like you get the full court to do whatever you want twice or something. Yeah, there's no more shared court. Uh, I think it was for concussions and stuff. Too many people were getting hit. Um, and what? like it was too many Ow. balls. So it's just like one team is on the court five minutes. They do their serve pass. And then five minutes, the other team goes. And then five minutes, the hitting warm up. And then five minutes, the other team gets hitting warm up. So yeah. five, five, five and five. Yes, I had to to follow for a second. (laughs) The Masters U of T student had to add up. Five, 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 and five. Yeah, uh, Yeah. that is weird to me because like during servant pass, like we never got servant pass because the women's game always pushed right up against start time. And so there was never enough time. So now it's just five. What do you do before five, 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 and five? It's usually like you're doing like pepper or whatever kind of dynamic warm up you're doing, but basically you got to get started before the women's game ends. So you kind of have to like predict when the game's going to finish. You either can have super like big confidence in your girls team. Like they're going to pull this one out. We don't have to go. There's been times where it's like, you're super confident and then it's a fifth set. Yeah. But, and you got to rewarm up, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely different. I see the girls used to always say like, Hey, why don't we ever get to play second? And every time I was like, I'm down, fully support it. Let's switch 100%. I would rather play first. Like, are you kidding me? I don't give a shit who's watching. Like, give me the full warm up. We play and then we're done. Like, there's no waiting around. Like, you see when you play. Like, you know, you don't want that. Like, the first game, I feel like, is an advantage. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't know why it's always like that. I know some people like, I know some guys who really like the late games, but when you're playing like one, three o'clock, when you're playing at the three o'clock slot and it goes five sets, like you're getting out at six, you kind of burned your whole day. So if you played at one, at least you got, you got some more time after, you know, if you got work to do or something like that. Yeah. I I can get by that. I can agree with that. Yeah. So coordinated sellies are okay, Garrett. I think is what we established. The, the the push-ups, the exercise. I think the thing we need to solve is the down official needs a better job than just to go tweet, tweet, tweet and tell your guys to stop having fun <laughs> oh, no. and get back behind this imaginary no. line are that you, they're not allowed to be. Don't even of. bring that up. It's like a it's like a nightmare, <laughs> Josh. Are you kidding me? If you have not listen, there are people maybe listening to the show who have no idea what we're talking about, and they don't know the horror that is that down ref tweeting you get behind the line. <laughs> what an awful part of our sport like that. that Zane person, doesn't understand this because he played too early in his career. He's never been a box squad guy, but it's so just disheartening to have been such a good time. And then for this ref who has nothing to do because they're not calling the net all game, just to go tweet, 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 tweet. And you have to be quiet. and You have to stand behind the line. It's just a fun sucker. That's all that ref does. Yeah. But it's also like 
I don't know. We had one of the rowdiest boxes of all time, I think at Queens. And they would literally get told to like, okay, go back, go back. Like my coach would be like, guys, go back. Like you need to go back next point. They're like on the court. Like it didn't matter. Like it was just like, thank you for telling us that our celly had to end, but they're just going straight back out there. The next point. I fully agree with that. Like make the ref give you a card. Like absolutely. Like, and even then still do it. Cause like, it's an absolute garbage rule. I will give up points, throw guys out. It like, protesting this stupid hey you got to stay behind that line which is four meters away from the court you can't get any closer even if you're way back in the corner of the gym nobody's <laughs> ever going to get anywhere near you the ref is standing closer to the action than these guys who he's telling to back up like what are we doing um, i always felt that if one of the players on the court was would run into somebody on the bench that's our problem i don't know why the ref was policing this distance or they had to be off the plane area like if we run into each other we got some big problems going on that we we can discuss that as a team we don't need this third party official ruining the fun parts yeah we're probably already losing the point so there's no need (laughs) like if we have guys running into each other who are off the court we have already lost the point maybe two points like who knows yeah 100 man we need to get a ref on this show it's never going to happen though but we need we need one of them to defend themselves. It's never going to happen though. I'm disappointed. It has to be the worst part of the job for sure. I mean to do that. Is what? Telling people to get behind the line? That must yeah, be the worst part It's like part of babysitting. The job. Like You must think when you're doing that, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> like, But hey, if I could get paid to blow the whistle and tell people to get behind the line, I'd do that. Are you kidding me? It's a great job. But there you go. That might be your answer then. Maybe I should be a ref, Josh. How difficult would it be for me to be a ref. Well, to get to a university downfit down official, you have to be like a regional or higher level badge. That's like a level three Gary. You'd have to really climb the ladder. Yeah. Like how long would that take me? I think long. I have competed in higher level matches than most of these officials will see in their lifetime. So with that context, how long would it take me? <laughs> I think you still got to start with like junior boys, high school and really earn your stripes. And then and- <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe I'm a garbage ref, but what's the acceleration like? I think you could get through your local badge in one year, your provincial in one, and then the regional is like a serious program where you get evaluated for like two years, I think. What? Like, no wonder we have a lack of quality officials is because they quit when they get to the regional because they're like, this is going to take too long. I got to get a better job. We need an actual ref on the show because I'm pretty sure there's like an age cap on being an international ref. Like, I think there's some ageism going on. So like you if you're like serious and want to be like an international official, you got to get on that fast track because the, the clock's working against you on the other side. I don't think you can be like 60 and be an international ref. That's wild to me. Like, unbelievable. Look what we've stumbled upon here at the end of the show is some injustice that needs needs some attention that we just won't give it because we don't solve anything on the show except... The Can West would dominate the OUA in an all-star game. All right, right, right. I mean, we saw Comment that. below if you disagree, but uh, we don't get many comments, and this is a hard one to get on board with. So, Yeah, like I think there's going to be some, some silent agreement to that one. If the comments are empty, I'll know everybody agrees. <laughs> I might just have to go and comment now. You I mean, have to. A, yeah, what, uh, what do you mean? Yeah. Comment on every episode. We will see it. Like I think the real discussion is, would it be Can West's third or fourth string that finally loses to the OUA? Because one and two is a lock. But like. Yeah, I think I think third string. I think fourth string is a bit much. I think third string. That's where I'm going. 
I'm just going to, while we're here at the Thanks end of the show. Thanks for coming on the show, Zane. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, like our listeners, no, listen, our listeners know that this is how it goes. Like nobody's surprised at this point. I'm pulling yeah. up our last video and it's not, not performing well. No comments. Nine views. So that, that hurts you guys. If you're still listening, thank you. That hurts. But uh, what are the downloads, Josh? Let, let us know. Let the fans know that there's people out there so they can maybe feel like they're part of a, a community because Zane yeah, said at the beginning that he's maybe seen a few episodes, but we all know that was a lie. I thought you were off for that part. I didn't know you could hear that. I didn't want to hurt. No, we were off for that part, but I now I'm outing you while we're no. recording. Absolute lie. Uh, we've had a few people come on and say they watch the show and I know they don't like I'm, I, I can tell for a fact they don't based on our numbers that they're lying. Well, let's put it this way. I think we have some loyal listeners, Garrett, and maybe the people they're bragging because we're so awesome to their friends. They can't commit for the hour. So let's do this. Let, let's get them to click on the teasers on YouTube because you got a few shorts there. Like the Marquise ones are really good. Maybe people can dip their toe in and just watch the shorts or they could go to Instagram with passing dimes, just watch like the full clips. And then if they like a funny comment from this or a couple zingers from Zane, then they can click on the full episode. Maybe it's just a commitment to the full hour that we're not getting these new people that we want. What do you think, Zane? Uh, I think you definitely are going to get at least four or five views solely from Howie G. So that Ooh. is just that's just like right out there. I know for sure he's going to rewatch this a bunch of times. Now, is Howie uh, still listening at this moment? Yes. OK. I mean, nice. Howie, thank yeah. you so much for listening. I mean, if you have always got to be excited that Zane's going to be at U of T. He can wear his old gear. He can talk about the glory days because I think U of T might have before Mac and Western did it. I think he was like the last Nationals medal for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he reminds me of that. Uh, <laughs> I got I got his old like U of T vintage jacket that I've been sporting around. Uh, but yeah, he he I've heard a lot of the stories for a second or third time already and it's only October so I'm just expecting a few more down the stretch because I mean Cole goes to Western so that's kind of blah you start off at Queens but you really righted the ship by choosing to go to U of T I'm sure he's just walking tall these days getting excited probably got season tickets ready to go to Gold Ring every game yeah that was an early decision for him <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy call he probably already had them just preemptively that's awesome yeah. I mean good for you guys I mean this is the show Zane Sharp mm-hmm. cuts. I mean, we had a few sharp cuts. We had a few pillow pillow cuts, though, for sure. A lot of niceties. Yeah, I can't change the inner nature. I don't know. So for but listening to your first episode of Sharp Cuts, what would you think? <laughs> for listening to it? Yeah, well, you were part of it, but you also listened to it. Uh, no, it was great. You definitely know how to boil the blood. Like, oh, you, definitely- you were getting pissed? Yeah, oh, he hit it so well. You he did hit it very well. He did not lash out. Yeah, I I stand by my OUA guys. I don't know. I think we're tough, and I think it, I think we can put together a good squad. But uh, other than that, you didn't get to me, so don't give yourself too much credit. Well, okay, I, well, I was I was planning on giving myself zero, but I mean, now that you're going to okay. pay me a compliment here at the end, I'm taking full credit. <laughs> I mean, it's usually how the show ends, though, is me fishing for compliments and usually getting them. Who who was it? It was like one episode where somebody like just came out with a chirp when I said, how wasn't they're like, yeah, no, it wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> I forget, but now I want to know. I forget. Yeah. Somebody, somebody was like, oh yeah, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, fair, like give it to me straight. 
But uh, okay, that'll I do, do it. one more thank you. I, I tried to ask Sophia Courier to be on the show, and she said, you know, I, I can't do it. Maybe she wasn't interested, Garrett, but she did recommend the, the newest U of T Varsity Blue, and that's how we connect with Zane. So thanks to her. And Garrett, let, let's be honest. If anyone wants to come on the show or wants to recommend somebody, they can reach out. Like they, they must think that you have this huge network of people, but sometimes we, we want to talk to people we don't know. So if anyone has a guest uh, suggestion, they can hit us up in the comments. They can shoot us a message on Instagram, comment on anything. Like I think we want to spread this. This is not Garrett and Josh's friends. Like we got to meet some new people through this. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, Zane was like our 10th choice. So <laughs> that's what I'm starting to get. I just, I little, think with Josh, <laughs> I didn't think we could get him. I didn't think we could get him. I didn't want to waste the DM. I didn't think we could get him. <laughs> no. Nah, okay. Well, well that'll you know, do it for this episode. Thanks, thanks we, for having we gotta, me. We got to end it because, uh, it's gone on way too long and nobody's listening. Not even Howie. So, um, thanks Zane for being here with us. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, once again, episodes Monday morning, hit us up, uh, hit that like button, subscribe, all that. Thanks for listening. You are the best. That'll do it for this one. We'll see you next time.